I want to welcome you this morning. This is our last message in our series on road signs to finding God's will. We're going to try to bring this to a conclusion today, not to a screeching halt, but to a conclusion. And hopefully from this point, you'll have um, what you need to at least help you on the journey of finding God's will for your life and understanding that a little bit better than perhaps we did several weeks ago before we started. Let me say that this is our 10th week in this series, believe it or not, and I'll tell you, I haven't even scratched the surface of what we could talk about on this issue of finding God's will. I was thinking last night as I was going through this message for today, what do I say on the last Sunday? I mean, there are so many things that, that still need to be said, but you know, you realize you have, to, you have to stop things at some point. You can't go on forever and ever. Uh, But that's one of the amazing things about God's Word is that we can spend our lifetime, as I've told you before, diving into this amazing book and gaining understanding of one passage after another after another and being able to teach it and explain it and live it. And when we get to the end of our life, we realize we've only just begun understanding God's Word because His Word is living And uh, it applies to every day of our life differently. And so this uh, 10-week series on road signs to finding God's will, I hope will be a tremendous help to you in the days and years ahead uh, in in listening for God and trying to discern what He wants you to do with your life. But uh, there's so much more that could be said. Today, we're going to wrap up this series by talking about the crossroads sign. The crossroads. We're going to be talking a little bit about making decisions and how all of that plays out as a Christian. Uh, and then at the end, we're going, to, we're going to take a few minutes just to wrap up sort of the entire series and, and present some global thoughts about finding God's will. Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and turn to Proverbs chapter 3. And we're going to be looking at two very familiar verses in this chapter. Verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Some of you may have seen the old movie Alice in Wonderland. You may remember a scene there where Alice came to a fork in the road and she stood there in a panic, frozen by indecision, not knowing which way to go. And she looked up as though perhaps searching for some divine help, but she didn't see God. All she saw was that freaky little Cheshire cat. Remember that thing from the movie? That creeped me out. <laughs> And so when she saw that cat, she blurted out, which way should I go? And the cat fixed that strange smile on Alice and said, that depends. On what? Alice said. On your destination. Where are you going? Alice stammered, I don't know. Then, said the cat, with a grin spreading wider, It doesn't matter. Someone once said, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. And I believe that is absolutely true. 
You know, many of us feel like Alice in Wonderland at times in our lives. We stand at some crossroads in life and we don't know which way to choose. We don't know which way to go. But the difference between Alice and us is that we do have help in making decisions. We do have help when we come to the crossroads of life and have to choose one way or the other. And unlike what the cat said, it does matter for us which way we choose. It matters greatly. Some decisions in life are minor decisions. They don't matter so much. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Some decisions obviously are enormous decisions that have far-reaching consequences beyond just the moment itself. Which school should I attend? Which job should I take? Who should I marry? What house should we buy? There are some decisions that are very important. And you know, as I was thinking through this, um, I realized that, that there was a time in every one of our lives before we came to know Christ where we would make decisions pretty much based on how it affected us. Or to say it another way, how it would benefit us. But you know, one of the ways to know that you're growing in your relationship with Christ is when you make decisions and ask yourself the question, how will this decision affect my relationship with Christ? How will this affect my ability to live for Him? And as you grow in Christ and you're faced with certain decisions like a job choice, you now begin to incorporate factors like, well, you know, is this job going to take me away from my family more than I want to be taken away? Is this job going to take me away from my involvement in the church? And decisions start to be looked at in light of spiritual things more than just what we will get out of them. And we learn to look at the crossroads through God's eyes more than through our own eyes. For instance, maybe there was a job offer years ago before you knew the Lord and you would have jumped on it right away simply because it meant more money. But now you weigh certain things into that decision far more than you ever did before. Maybe church now in your life means more to you than it ever did before. And church is not a matter of now just showing up on Sunday morning, sitting through the service and then bolting for the door when it's over. Now you actually get up and you look forward to being involved in the church. You look forward to finding ways that God can use you. And so your decisions take on a whole new color for you. But life hands us many decisions that leave us feeling like we're standing at a crossroads and we don't know which way to go. I think the decisions that are most difficult in life, for me anyway, are the decisions where there are two or more equally good choices. I don't have a very difficult time choosing between right and wrong. If there's a, a choice to, to follow God this way or a choice to follow my flesh this way, that's pretty much black and white. God has laid that out for us. But what do you do when you're standing at the crossroads and you have two or more choices that seem equally good? 
and you have no idea what to do. How do you make that decision? Well, the Bible tells us, and we've talked about this in this series, to be led by the Spirit, but it also tells us to plan, to reason, to use good judgment, to gain understanding. So how do we find the balance between those two things? Well, a verse that we talked about one time during this series is Proverbs 16.9, which I think strikes the balance as, as well as any verse in the Bible does on making decisions and on trying to figure this out. Proverbs 16.9 says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Now, I wish I could explain that to you in a neat little formula of exactly how that works. But I can't. But I can tell you that it does work. In our heart, we plan our course through life. We make decisions. We use our noodle. But somehow in all of that, as we're following Christ, God ends up directing our steps. It's an amazing process. But where is this balance between the two? Well, first let me tell you that we need to be very careful that we don't fall off this issue on one extreme or the other. There, there are two dangers here. One extreme is to lean too heavily on human reasoning so that any sense of following God is, is lost. Psalm chapter 10, verse 4 talks about people who only use human reasoning. It says, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. No room for God. You met people like that? There's no room for God at all. And so they fall off this issue on the one extreme of using all logic, all human reasoning, all brain power and intellect, and there's no room for God's leading at all in their life. That's a danger. James warns us that as we're going about through life making plans, I'm going to go to this city and, and, and uh, set up my business and I'm going to make money and I'm going to do this and that, James says, be careful, be careful in all of your planning as you're rushing about living your life, making decisions, making plans. Make sure you say, if it is God's will, we will go here and there and do this and that. If it is God's will. Luke 12, Jesus tells the story of a rich farmer who brought in an abundant harvest, so much so that his barns did not have room to contain it all. And so he thought to himself, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns so that there will be plenty of room to store all my crops. And then I'll kick back and I'll relax and I'll say, eat, drink, and be merry. Take it easy. Everything's fine. Well, what happened? God came to that man that night and said, you fool. This night your soul will be required of you. He had no room at all for God in his plans. That's one extreme. 
The other extreme in decision making, now this may surprise you, is to be so focused on looking for some dramatic revelation from God that we discount the wisdom of our spirit-filled mind. Now that may surprise some of you. Did you realize that it's possible to over-spiritualize some things? I mean, we're spiritual beings created in the image of God. Really, everything we do involves some way our spiritual life. But have you ever met somebody who has the uncanny knack of just over-spiritualizing everything? Did you realize it's possible to go to that extreme? Again, this may surprise you. When I woke up this morning, I didn't spend 30 minutes praying over whether to wear this shirt or the other blue one I have in my closet. Now, some of you might be saying, I wish you had worn the other one. I don't know. This one's kind of nice. I, I, didn't, I didn't drop to my knees and say, Lord, show me a sign. Which shirt should I wear today? It was just a decision. I just made a decision. I had a pastor friend years ago. I won't say his name, but he'd probably get a kick out of this if he knew I was telling this story. But y'all don't know him. But anyway, I'm not going to say his name. But he was a good friend of mine. And I was at his house one day visiting. And as I was leaving, he walked with me out to the driveway. And we were standing there talking. And I'll never forget. He's, I forget what the conversation was about. But he said, I can give you a verse for everything I do in life. I said, man. That's pretty impressive. I said, what kind of toothpaste do you use? <laughs> Ever had one of those questions that just comes in from out of nowhere <laughs> and whacks you on the side of the head? And he gave me this look like, did I fall asleep for 10 minutes and miss a whole conversation? He goes, what? I said, toothpaste, you know, the stuff you brush your teeth with. What kind do you use? And he said, Crest. I said, why? Why not Close Up or Colgate or Aquafresh or any of the others? What's your verse for using Crest? And he was a good friend of mine, so I had earned the right to mess with him that way. And then I said, I notice you drive a Ford Taurus. What's your verse for driving a Ford Taurus instead of a Honda or a Toyota or Chevy or Pontiac or anything else? And you could see this look like... Oh my gosh. I guess I don't have a verse for everything I do. I think I sent the guy spiraling into a life of panic because of that conversation. But, you know, we can, we can sometimes try to be so spiritual that we lose sight of the practical. God's just saying, get on with it, will you? Make a decision. Move on. We've got things to do. So there's a danger at crossroads of over-humanizing things and, and just simply leaning totally on our own ability to think and reason. And God's leading is nowhere in the picture. And then on, on the other extreme, we can spend uh, hours or days or months spinning our wheels on a decision because we're waiting for some flash in the sky to show us what God's leading is and God simply wants us to make a decision and move on. What we need to do is find the balance between these two extremes. I'll tell you, I was having a conversation with somebody in the last few weeks. I don't remember who it was. We were talking about this issue of balance. 
and how important balance is in life. In everything that we do, balance is so important. If we get lopsided on one way or the other, on just about any issue, we're going to end up in a mess. You see, a bird has to have two wings to be able to fly. A bird with one wing cannot fly. And it's the same way in life. There must be a balance in our life. And in this issue of making decisions at crossroads, we need to try to find the balance between using our own judgment and looking for God's leading. But here's the thing. We are to use our own judgment and we are to look for God's leading. We need to do both. You say, but what about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 that you read a minute ago? It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. Isn't that what it says? Isn't that saying don't lean on your own understanding? That you shouldn't use your own understanding? Watch this. I don't know if you ever looked this up, but that word lean... This is so awesome when you dig into the Bible and you see the truth and how the Bible speaks for itself if we'll just take the time to look. That word lean is a Hebrew word, shawan, it's pronounced. It's actually spelled S-H-A-A-N, pronounced shawan. You know what it means? It means to support oneself, to rely, to rest, to lie down or to stay. Isn't that interesting? It gives us the picture of someone who pulls up their lazy boy in the room of their own understanding, pops the footrest out and says, I'm chilling right here. I'm staying right here. I'm hanging out in my own understanding. This is where I'm going to stay. Does that not change the meaning of that whole verse for you in your mind? It doesn't say don't use your own understanding. I believe just maybe eight verses or so down from there, it says blessed is the one who gains wisdom, who gains understanding. Well, why in the world would we need wisdom and understanding if we're not supposed to use our minds? So always remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is not instructing you to abandon your own reasoning and your own mind, but not to hang out there not to set up camp there and live there. We need to balance the two. So how do we use our minds without negating the spiritual dimension? And how are we led by the Spirit without shutting off our minds? Well, let me just tell you that in order to appraise a situation correctly and make wise decisions, we need to first remember to apply the road signs that you and I have looked at for the last 10 weeks. You know, have we yielded our will to God's will? That's the first step. Are we going to Him in prayer, seeking His direction? Are we studying the Word to know what God wants us to do in life, what is right and wrong? Are we seeking wise counsel as we need to sometimes from godly people in order to gain direction? Are we listening for that voice of the Holy Spirit? Are we waiting when God tells us to wait and stepping out by faith when God tells us to move? Are we looking for the detour signs that God may be placing in our life to lead us one way or the other? 
the first step in making wise decisions is making sure that we're putting into practice these things that we've looked at the last number of weeks. It's very important. You can't skip over those steps. In other words, if I say, well, there's an area of my life that I have not yielded to God yet, but God's still going to show me His will, I'm telling you, folks, God won't lead you past your point of disobedience. God will let you sit there and sit there until you finally yield that to Him, and then He'll say, all right, come on, let's go. On the practical side of making decisions, you don't know what to do. Again, not trying to over-spiritualize everything. Let me just give you three practical steps that um, I think will help in, in making decisions. You're faced with a big decision. They both look good, or, or maybe there's more than two, and they all look good, and you just don't know what to do. Here are some things that I think will help. Number one, write it down. Number two, pray it through. Number three, talk it out. These are three very practical things that have helped me an awful lot. Write it down, pray it through, and talk it out. First of all, write it down. Well, there have been authors for years who have advised people to do this, and uh, I think it's a great thing to do. It's helped me an awful lot in the past. There's something very difficult about trying to analyze all the options of a decision when they're floating around in the space of your mind. Because your mind has a million and one things calling for it at any given moment. And if you have kids, it has five million and one things calling for it at every given moment. And so when you're faced with major decisions, don't skip this step. Don't try to process everything that's floating around in the cyberspace of your head because it's very difficult to get a grasp on it that way. Take a piece of paper and a pen and just start writing. Some people say divide the paper in half and write pros on one side and cons on the other and list the pros and cons of the decision. That works fine. You might just want to start writing. Some people journal. And that's how they get things out. Some people just write abstract thoughts all over the page and then sort of start connecting them in ways to just see how it shapes up. But there's, there's something very helpful that happens when you take all of these thoughts from the abstract and put them into the concrete. When you now have all of this stuff listed out on a piece of paper in front of you, it just clarifies things. I know that's real practical. I'm sorry I'm being so practical this morning. But that'll help you. If you struggle with making decisions, write it down. Sit there and look at it. It'll be a tremendous help to you. But there's a warning in that as well that if you list out the pros and cons, for example, there will be times when the cons might outweigh the pros and God is still nudging you to go ahead and do it anyway. You always have to leave room for God in your calculations, if you will. Always make sure you leave room for His leading in those things. Uh, you remember when the ten spies were sent over into the Promised Land to spy out the land. And the, the Israelites were like this close to getting there. And the spies came back and eight of the spies said, No way. We cannot do this. This is too big for us. Only two guys, Joshua and Caleb, said, absolutely, we can do this. Let's do it. Let's move forward. God's with us. doesn't matter 
what the pros and cons say in this case, let's do this. God's telling us to move forward. So that was a case where if they had listed out the pros and the cons, the cons would have won. But God was still telling them to move forward and do it anyway. The, the difference between those eight and those two, if this will help you, was their focus. What they were focused on. They all looked at the same facts, and yet two of them were focused on what God wanted them to do. The other eight were focused exclusively on the facts and the things that were scaring them. Our focus is very important. Romans 8, 5 and 6 says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your minds also on things above, not on earthly things. Our focus is critical when we're making decisions. And so what does having the right focus mean? Well, it just simply means being in a right relationship with God. Being close to Him is the term that we use sometimes, even though... God is never far from any one of us, the Bible says. But walking with Him, actively looking for His will, being close to Him will help you stay focused in all of your decisions. So write it down. It takes things from the abstract to the concrete. You will be amazed how much that will help you in big decisions. And then pray it through. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we've we devoted uh, one Sunday in our series to talking about this issue of prayer of taking things to God in prayer. But it's so important that even after we've used our logic and our understanding to chart things out and to write out the pros and cons and whatever you want to do, that we then take that to God in prayer and say, Lord, you know, here's my best attempt to figure this out. What do you want me to do in this situation? Where do you want me to go? Take time to pray it through and then talk it out. A lot of times we fall short here. Sometimes we'll talk to God about it, but we fail to talk to others. It is incredible how so many times you will think that you've covered every possibility and all the options. And I, I can tell by your faces, some of you have already done this. You've experienced this. And then you go to somebody and you're telling them this, okay, this decision and here's all this stuff and here's what I'm thinking. And in one sentence... They'll turn a light bulb on in your head that you never thought about. They'll go, yeah, but what about that? And you'll go, oh, wow, I never thought about that. So many times in business, you know, my partners and I would, one of the partners would be, would be thinking about going in this direction and then he'd come in and he'd talk to us and we'd sit down and myself or, or one of the other guys would go, yeah, but what about, and we'd mention something and he'd go, oh, man, I'm so glad I talked to you guys. I never thought about that. Again, there's something that happens in a dialogue with another person that can help crystallize and clarify things so much in this business of making decisions. Well, you know, in this, in this series and talking about finding God's will, 
Um, I mentioned to you three or four weeks ago, maybe, I promised you that before we finish the series, I would touch very briefly on this business of what I call the three areas of, of God's will. This is nothing original with me. This has been debated down through the centuries. But uh, I put a little chart together that I hope will help you as we finish today in talking about finding God's will and trying to make sense of this. Now, the, the diagram that you see in front of you is what some people, really a small number of people within the Christian community believe God's will looks like. We have his sovereign will, which we'll talk about, and then his moral will, and that's where they believe it stops. That's, they, they think that there is God's sovereign will, which there is, and then there's God's moral will, but they don't think that there is this third piece, which I've listed for you here, his personal will. Now, as I look through the Scripture, as I talk to people, as I, um, as I try to make sense of this, I believe that the picture you're looking at now is the right picture. First of all, there's God's sovereign will. The Bible says over and over again that God is sovereign over the affairs of the universe. He, he created everything. It's through Him and by Him that all things have their being and that all things are held together. The scientists scratch their heads and, and try to figure out how in the world all these planets rotate and stay so precisely to the thousandths of a second in perfect orbit and perfect time, year after year, decade after decade. How does that work? God's up there going, guys, it's me. I did it. I hold all of this together. Everything that happens in the world and in the universe God is sovereign over and that's an entire sermon on its on its own. But we need to understand that there is God's sovereign will at play. Then secondly, we need to understand that there is God's moral will which he has given to us in the pages of his word. That's why we hold the word in such high esteem here in this church. If you ever want to know if something is right or wrong, if it's morally right or wrong, go to God's Word. God has given us everything we need to know for life and godliness in His Word, His moral will. But now I believe there's this third area which we've been touching on over the last few weeks of God's personal will for our lives. Some say, no, 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 God doesn't have a personal will for people. He only has a moral will in which we can move about. And we can do whatever we want within His moral will. Well, I'm not going to argue with people who, who think that way because it's not, I guess, a big deal for, for me to argue with them on that particular issue. But, you know, when you look through the Bible and you see God leading certain people to do certain things at certain times in certain ways for a desired outcome... You have to wonder if that was just a fluke that that guy or gal happened to be there at the right time and God said, well, okay, i got nobody else, so you, know, you can do it. I'll use you. No, what we see in Scripture is God intersecting people's pathways and leading them to do specific things in life in order to bring about His purpose. Uh, I mean, I, I, I believe that it was God's will for Noah to build the ark and save his family and restart the uh, population of the earth. I believe it was God's will for Abraham to leave his pagan city 
and go and become the father of a great nation. I believe it was God's will for Esther to stand before the king and save the Jewish people. I believe it was God's will for Paul to be blinded by the light on the Damascus Road and become one of the greatest missionaries who's ever lived. I believe it was God's will for those people individually to do exactly what they did. And so I, I wanted to just draw this diagram for you as we close this morning to kind of help you visualize that, yes, there is God's sovereign will which controls everything. And then there's God's moral will in which we must live. We cannot step outside the boundaries of God's moral will. Then within that, God has a plan for your life. Do you know what God's will is? Are you searching for it? Do you want to know it? I want to leave you with this verse this morning from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. It says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. It says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I believe that applies both to His moral will and to finding His will for our lives. I want to encourage you this morning not to simply focus on the rules of our faith, but focus more on your relationship with God. If your relationship with God is healthy, then finding God's will for your life will not be a separate pursuit. You understand that? If your relationship with God is healthy, finding His will will not be a separate issue at all. It will simply be a natural outflow of your relationship with Him. Can I tell you something that sounds like a contradiction? And it sounds like I'm contradicting everything I've said over the last ten weeks, but it's not. Finding God's will is not so much a matter of finding it, but of walking with God day by day. I'm telling you. We stress out sometimes over, oh my gosh, I wonder if I've missed God's will. And now I'm lost in never, never land and God's going to make me live out second best, you know, and third best. And, and we sweat sometimes over, have I found it, have I not found it? Let me just tell you, finding God's will is not so much a matter of finding it, but of walking with Him day by day. You know, when the stars show up at a place, they roll out the red carpet for them, don't they? Wouldn't that be nice sometimes just to have somebody go ahead of you and roll out a red carpet like they do for the queen? I guess her feet have never touched dirt. I don't know. <laughs> Only red carpets. But, you know, walking with God day by day and, and wanting to know His will is a little like that. It's not a game of hide and seek. God's not making this difficult. But as you walk with God, His will for your life will just simply unfold in front of you like a red carpet rolling out. And you'll just continue to walk with Him, continue to walk with Him, and it will continue to unfold day by day by day in your life. I think the best thing that I can tell you about God's will, folks, listen, is if you want to find God's will, you won't miss it. It's really that simple. If you want to find God's will, 
If you are truly pursuing God with your heart, your mind, all of your energy, you're saying, God, I want to live my life for you. If that is your desire to know God's will, I'm telling you, gang, you won't miss it. You won't miss it. God will reveal it to you. And the beautiful thing about God's will is years down the road, you'll turn around and look back and go, I don't even remember how I got here, but I know this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Road signs to finding God's will. I pray that uh, these messages will truly help you, give you some clarity and some guidance on your journey with God. I'm telling you folks, the awesome thing is God is a good God. Listen, God is a good God. He's not... He's not playing games with us. He's not sending us on a spiritual Easter egg hunt to try to find His will. God is good. You look at all the, all the steps and all the trouble that God went through to create the relationship with Him that we now enjoy. Sending His own Son to die for us in order to open up the pathway to Him. We can go to Him anytime. And we see so clearly that God is a good God who loves us, who wants to make His will known to you. The question is, not does God want to make His will known to you, but do you want to know God's will? That's the question. Let's pray. Father, take these words, I pray, and um, use them however you need to in our lives to help us to know how to walk with you. And Lord... Uh, we know sometimes it's a sweat to make big decisions. It's, it's nerve-wracking sometimes to wonder if we're in Your will or if we're not. I pray, Lord, You'd help us to, to understand that finding Your will is just simply walking with You day by day and watching it unfold before us. I pray, Lord, that You would take the desire of the people's hearts here who want to know You, who want to find Your will, and I pray that you would honor that in their lives. And Lord, I pray that months from now or years from now, we would hear stories and feedback on how your word from this series has helped to guide someone to know exactly where they need to be with you and what they need to do with their life. Lord, thank you for making your will known. Thank you for leading us and for never abandoning us. In Jesus' name, amen.